What's up, guys? Happy Thursday, December 12th. You're listening to another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. And uh, this is our kind of free ball episode. I kind of keep Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday all structured to the same thing every week. This is our Thursday free ball an episode. Um, gonna just take a look at some different things, some different topics, uh, NFL football news that I just find interesting around this uh, time of the week as we head into week 15 later tonight um, with the Thursday night football matchup, the last one of the season. Uh, not a not a great one. Baltimore Ravens probably gonna stomp all over the New York Jets. Um, we might not even see Lamar Jackson out there for too long. He's got a little bit of an injury that he's uh, I think it's a quad that he's dealing with. So we might see a lot of RG three action in there, which should be fun. I don't think uh, you know him taking control of things if he has to will will make much of a difference in the outcome. I think we all expect the Ravens to win and to kind of just overpower the. Uh, the Jets front seven on offense. Defensively, of course, you know, the, the Jets might be able to take on some deep plays if, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I would took from watching back on the Bills-Ravens game is that uh, the Bills had a couple opportunities to take some deep shots. Josh Allen had missed on them. Um, so maybe there are some opportunities for Sam Darnold to take it deep. Uh, but who knows? I, I think we're all expecting the Ravens to win. Um I probably expect them to win big. It might be a little bit closer depending on how long we actually see Lamar Jackson out there. But uh, that's our last Thursday night football game. And thankfully, look, I I love being able to watch football on a Thursday. uh, But I think it is extremely unfair for certain, for for each team, one week, just random, that you just have to prepare on a a, a short notice. And on top of that, half the teams have to travel on a Wednesday as opposed to leaving on a, on a Friday or a Saturday to head to your destination. I just don't think it's that fair. I'm not a big uh, proponent of Thursday night football, even though it does give me something to something to watch before heading into the weekend. But um, that's my just quick thoughts on, on the game tonight. A uh, couple things we're going to look over this episode. I um, actually just finished watching, and as soon as I say that, I, I forget the, uh, the name of the show. Let me just pull it up real quick so I can say it correctly to you guys. Um, Art of Coaching. That's what it is. I just finished watching The Art of Coaching, the HBO special between Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Uh, two almost lifelong friends now that meet once every offseason. And, and for the first time in 20 years, um, HBO was able to, to record some of it. So I'll give you kind of my thoughts on what we learned from the two of them. Um, and kind of my impressions on how the documentary went. It was only about an hour and 15 minutes long. A lot of good stuff in there. Um, so we're going to take a look at that. Uh, also, Patriots news this week. We're going to take a look at at their uh, Spygate 2.0. Potentially taking a look at the Bengals sideline ahead of their matchup this weekend. Yes, that is the 1-12 in 12 Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, are the Patriots full of shit? Were they actually trying to do something? Did Bill Pelichek actually know what was going on? We'll get to all of that, and then we'll uh, finish things off with kind of just a head coaching carousel, taking a couple looks at some rumors for some head coaching jobs, talk about some guys that have recently been in the news for positions, kind of just make maybe some just quick pairings and quick fits uh, here on Quick Hits. So we'll cover all of that, and uh, then we'll head into the rest of your Thursday. We'll be back for Friday's episode. 
making some game picks and uh, bets against the spread for week 15 of the NFL season. Uh, give you an update on how we've been doing so far, what ones we missed out on in week 14, uh, which ones we smartly were able to predict. Um, and then, and then, yeah, we'll cruise into the weekend, come back on Monday, finally with a Monday episode. Uh, it's been a while, and I um, just an update, had a little bit of a food poisoning situation, as I've mentioned a few times this week on the show. It's actually started to cause uh, some problems with my kidneys. So we are just having a fun time over here in Blake's abdomen, uh, and so we'll get all that taken care of, but the pain seems to be going down, which is nice, and... Uh, yeah, so that was what held me back from doing Monday's episode is because the uh, food poisoning really just couldn't have me do much of anything over the weekend, but now we're slowly starting to come out of that, starting to feel a little bit better, so that's always a plus, but we'll pick things up next week and cruise on through. Might not get a full week next week, I got some, um, I might pre-record some episodes in advance, visitors coming into town, um, gonna actually go watch the Titans play the Saints next Sunday, so that's gonna be fun as well too, but um but yeah, we'll just keep this thing rolling. Plan is to just continue this through the rest of the regular season, go through the playoffs, um, and then when we get through the playoffs, I got a couple different ideas. Of course, we're going to do a lot of draft talk. That's my bread and butter when it comes to the NFL offseason. Of course, free agency will also be in there as well. Two coaching changes, but um, I also think it'd be, I think it'd be really fun at, at this point, the end of a, a decade. Uh, in the NFL to maybe do a look back on some things. So we might take a look at, you know, replays of, of some of the best games in this past decade or taking a look at, you know, different draft classes or just maybe we'll, we'll do a, a week where we take a look at one season and we take a look at, you know, maybe one of the better games there, the draft class, the season itself. We're, I, I got a lot of fun ideas for the offseason, so I'm excited to share those with you as we kind of start to build up the ideas. So... All of that coming through for, I, I guess that's the next, that, that's just the blueprint of the show. And so I'm excited to share that all with you. And I'm excited to uh, to be able to put out that content. So let's kick things off. Let's go to the art of coaching. And uh, yeah, we will send through the rest of this episode. So yes, the art of coaching, HBO documentary coming out uh, that came out on Tuesday night. Uh, you guys are hearing this on Thursday. I watched it Wednesday night. Um... Basically, the premise of it is uh, HBO was able to record four hours of Bill Belichick and Nick Saban just catching up, talking about different things. I'm assuming that it wasn't as organic as their first 19 visits that they've done for their first 18. I forget which which one this was, but they visit at least once an offseason and spend hours just talking to each other about things, catching up. Um, and I'm assuming they probably weren't as, weren't able to be as authentic as always, given the fact that they knew that this was going to be a documentary that was coming out. And then also you would think that they're for this one year specifically, they're going to want to cover, you know, the big points of the last 20 years. I assume at least that when they get together, they talk about things that have happened in the past year. And while there were some things that included, you know, the Patriots, uh, Super Bowl to the Rams, or the Alabama beating Georgia for the college uh, football playoffs a couple years back, or was that last year? I get my, my brain all confused. I think that was two years ago, actually. But, um, yes, it was. But I think I think the thing when they realized is like, okay, we can't just talk about this past year only. We want to kind of capture some of the bigger moments to happen over the last, you know, several decades. So it's almost like, 
this wasn't as organic as I'm assuming it usually was. And it seems like, okay, now that they're coming here, let's just throw everything out on the table. Stuff we've already talked about before. Let's take a look back at both of our legacies. Let's take a look uh, back at everything that we've done together, separately, against each other. And let's put it all out on the table and kind of just give our our rough impressions about everything. So HBO came in. Uh, they supposedly recorded four hours uh, of them talking. Um both in Nick Saban's off office and then also at Nick Saban's house. Um, and, and it covered everything. It, it didn't cover just football. It covered life outside. It covered their families. And and um, so the documentary comes out. It was an hour and 15 minutes long. And, um, you know, there, there are some cutaways. There are interviews with other people, uh, you know, family members of the Belichicks, family members of the Sabans. Um, there was narrator stuff in there as well too. So, you know, the one, the one there, I loved, I loved everything about it. The one negative that I have is part of me just, just wanted, just, I wanted four hours of just them going back and forth. I just wanted four hours of footage where I could just listen to these guys chat. Because when you think about it, uh, you know, it's the, the greatest college football coach of all time and the greatest NFL coach of, of all time. And they both are, uh, you know, different in some ways, but similarly, you know, the same philosophy when they approach the defensive side of things. Um, they have their different approaches on offense. Both of them grew up in in defense, of course. Um, so you know, at least they came from the same background uh, for defensive-minded football. But um, part of me would have just loved to have seen just four hours straight of them just shooting the shit. But of course. You know, it's a documentary, you need your footage in there, you need clips of, of them at practice, of them in games, of them in press conferences, you need interviews from other people. It would have been, you know, for HBO's sake of things, to just put out four hours of them sitting across from each other and just having a conversation, I get why you can't do that. I personally would have loved watching it either way, I think just to see kind of the way these two men think, because that's one of the more interesting things is that both of these guys are just so successful at what they do and, and historically have been amazing at what they do. Uh, and sure, it hasn't been great always, you know. Bill didn't Bill didn't bring championships to Cleveland. Um, you know, Nick Saban, you know, he did win a title at LSU. He he wasn't great as a Dolphins head coach. Um, and when he of course when he came to Alabama and, and when Bill went to New England, everything figured itself out there. But just to th- see the way these guys think um, and get a kind of an insight into their world, um, it, it was a really cool experience. And I think one of the biggest things that I took away from it is the, is the simple, simple philosophy of just doing your job, both of them. I mean, that's, that's kind of the motto. If you were going to say, if you're going to take a new title for the show, it would probably be just do your job. It was brought up multiple times in the documentary. The simple idea of just Every, every member of the coaching staff, every member of the training staff, every member of the roster, practice squad, whatever it is, do your specific job. And it sounds so simple. But of course, when you're out there on a football field and you're reacting to everything else, that, that slips your mind. It's not that easy to just simply do your job. You're in a reactionary sport, especially you know if you're on the defensive side of things. You react to what the offense is doing. Now, it's a little different for the offense. They come out there with their play, but of course, they have to react with what the defense throws out. So it's all react uh, it's all, you know, reacting to what your opponent is doing. So when it's so when you say do your job, you're really just putting 
your faith into the coaching staff knowing everything. And that's a lot of trust. And that's why Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are the best to do it is because they've earned that trust where the players go out there and they do their job knowing that Bill and Nick are both putting them in the position where if they just do their part and what they're told to do and not to react to what the opponent is doing, um, then it's going to fall into place. And so that was the biggest thing that I took away is the simple mindset of do your job and how it actually... um, how it's way more difficult on a football field than it sounds, but um, I I, w- I really like that idea. I you know the documentary itself, and I'm just freeballing through my ideas here. I, I know there's no real structure to this. Um, to see stuff about their personal lives, you know, there were great clips of of Nick and Bill um, giving toasts at their daughter's weddings, which I thought was a real nice touch to it. Um, you know, videos of them on vacation. You, of course, heard from all of their kids talking about, you know, life outside of football. Um, you heard from both of their wives, or I, I believe Bill Belichick's girlfriend, um, if I'm being accurate with it. It kind of, you know, yes, I, I an hour and 15 minutes was too short for me as someone who would have loved to just hear the entire thing. But I think what they were able to put in there, taking a look at both of their paths and how they grew up, of course, um, you know, both surrounded by football early on, Bill more so than Nick Saban, but um, how they both played collegiately, both weren't good enough to make it in the pros, so both immediately went into coaching. Um, of course, their paths cross um, at a certain point when Nick Saban becomes the head coach at the Naval Academy, where Bill Belichick's dad was still like an associate coach, and they kind of got intertwined there. Um then, of course, you know, they, they meet up in um, in Cleveland when Bill becomes the head coach of the Browns. He brings in Nick Saban as his defensive coordinator. Shortly after, Nick uh, Saban leaves to go coach Michigan State. Bill Belichick then eventually becomes the Patriots head coach. Saban goes to LSU. Then to the Dolphins, where they're, they're coaching against each other twice a year, and, and each of them has two wins over the other. Uh, Saban then leaves back for the college ranks at Alabama. Um, Bill, you know, continues his reign um, as the as the head coach of the Patriots, and now both of them are sitting here as of December twelfth, uh, both with six championship rings. So um, I, I didn't really know where I wanted to take this. I just wanted to share kind of my impressions on the two of them. I, I used to grow up just hating the Patriots. Um, and as I've kind of fallen more in love with the game of football, I've just fallen in love with 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 more Bill than, than Nick Saban. I'm more of an NFL guy than I am a college, except for when it comes to draft evaluation. Um, but I, I just have such a, a huge appreciation of Bill Belichick and, uh, and what he has um, accomplished and, and kind of just his mantra with it. He makes, he makes such a difficult game seem so simple in the way that he breaks it down you know just do your job it sounds so simple um and it's and it's not it's such a difficult game but the way that he's able to present it to his players and his coaches it all seems to fit and and for both of them they've done they've had remarkable careers and so it's been pretty cool to uh to see that and then to watch them have this relationship off of the field um is just a testament to these two guys Kind of grew up the same way, crossed paths, coached against each other. Now we're at the best at what they do at the NFL and at college football. And um, 
just just really impressed with with the documentary um, with them themselves and kind of just it, it was just a fun a fun watch I, I, I would go back and watch it multiple times if you haven't watched it yet I, I recommend it uh, there's a lot of stuff good stuff in there about just their philosophy and the way that they see not even just the game but life um, and, and yeah I was I was thoroughly impressed and so hats off to uh, HBO for being able to get that done um, and kind of show us a little bit into the life of, of Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, which is something we, we don't really get to see a whole lot of. Both of them definitely uh, keep quiet most of the time. So um, glad we have, uh, you know, an hour and 15 minutes there to really learn more about their lives, you know, especially while they're still around to tell it. So there was, I guess, what, seven, eight minutes of me just gushing over Belichick and Saban and then it's funny that I turn it to this uh, because this is the if there's one if there's one crack in Bill Belichick's legacy it, it's this and it's just the continuous connection to some form or some attempt at cheating and I don't think Bill Belichick calls it cheating I don't think most of us you know most of us would call it cheating um, I I'm pretty sure when he says it and when he looks at it, he's just pushing the boundaries of what he's able to do. He's a competitor. He wants his advantage. And 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 I'm not talking about this specific incident. I'm talking the first spot, uh, you know, Spygate, where he openly admitted to what he was doing. He didn't hide behind it. Um, and then on to Deflategate as well, too, which, you know different scenario in there as well too uh, but now we've got quote-unquote spygate 2.0 um, the patriots organization or their media affiliate is filming um, a documentary uh, funny enough called do your job as much as i was just talking about that simple philosophy um, and they are taking a look at i guess just the scouting uh, side or the coaching side or I guess just the the they're doing put it this way to capture one part of a longer feature on the Patriots scouting department in this case a Patriots pro personnel scout while he was working in the press box so what they did they go to the Browns game they got permission from the Browns to attend this game and uh, just so happens that they are playing the Bengals this week, and the Bengals are this upcoming week uh, playing the Patriots. So they played the Browns last week, playing the Patriots this week. The Patriots get permission by the Browns, but do not inform the Bengals that they have been given this access to attend the game and film this. And supposedly um, they were caught putting around about eight minutes filming the Bengals sideline for reasons. Hey, I don't know. I guess we'll never know really what it is. Um, and then, and then sure enough, they get, you know, the Bengals catch, uh, you know, catch a drift of that. And they say, Hey, we'll hold on, hand those tapes over. And, and the Patriots complied. They did it. Um, so they did send and give all of their equipment and, um, and what they had seen over to the league. So I'm sure we'll figure out, you know, how specific the footage is or what they were trying to get from it. But, you know, it's just one, another instance where the Patriots show up in the news, accused of something, um, of, of trying to bend the rules when it comes to the NFL. And so there are a few things that, that I just wanted to point out. One, 
Bill Belichick came out and immediately said that he had, he, he was unaware of this, had nothing to do with it. And to me, that is the biggest lie, I think, of the entire thing. Bill Belichick is the head coach. He is also, quote-unquote, the general manager of the New England Patriots. He knows everything that is going on in New England. He knows everything. Who would do something up in Foxborough without telling Bill Belichick? He knows every single thing that is going on up there. And especially when his documentary called Do Your Job, His Philosophy, I think he would have a pretty, uh, a pretty good idea of what was going on. Now, maybe, did he did he not know that they were going to film that game? Sure, he could say that, but I highly doubt. I feel like even that, he would know that they are heading up to Cleveland when they're playing the Bengals, and he's going, and he knows that the media is, and that their media team is going to be filming what that scout was doing. As part of this documentary, titled after his biggest philosophy, you hear him screaming on the sidelines almost every day. Do your job. There are tons of videos of him screaming, do your job. So a documentary comes out called Do Your Job. Okay, it's connected to Bill Belichick. It's connected to the Patriots. Bill Belichick knows everything that happens in New England. So first off, I think that that was the biggest lie told throughout this entire thing. Bill Belichick was aware that this was all going on. Now, with all that being said, and I think that the Patriots are guilty of at least trying to bend the rules. I don't think they're trying to break them. They're just trying to bend them, test it to their limits. They had gotten permission from the Browns to be there. Maybe they spent a little too long filming the Bengals' sideline. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're the 1-12 in 12 Bengals. You know, I, New England, I, I, that's the toughest part for me is to figure out why the Patriots of all teams would choose to do this to Cincinnati. If they're going to try and, and bend the rules and stretch to see what they're capable of doing, why would they do it to beat the Bengals? They're already going to beat the Bengals. They could put out half their team this Sunday and beat the Bengals. They're an angry Patriots team that's lost two in a row to two playoff teams. They're going to come out there and they're going to stomp the living crap out of the Bengals. Why would they need to observe the sideline for eight minutes to figure out what's going on down there? The only thing I can think of is maybe the Bengals are trying to do something with a young, innovative offense in Zach Taylor that maybe the Patriots are just interested in learning about. Maybe he just wants to know for his own perspective so he can bring something into his game. Now, how likely is that Zach Taylor isn't, you know, a well-respected head coach yet? He hasn't earned his stripes in the league. He's, you know, Sean McVay's cousin, which got him a head coaching job. Um, so I, I think where I get stuck with this is I, I just, I understand the Patriots... We're trying to bend the rules, but I don't understand their motive behind it because it just doesn't make sense why they would do it so they could have an edge over the 1-12 in Cincinnati Bengals. So um, unless there is specifics that could come out of the footage that they've got of their sideline, then maybe, maybe we'll figure out the answer. I don't think we'll ever figure out the answer to this, much like we won't with Deflategate, even though, listen, I'll tell you, he deflated the balls. Um, we did find the answer to Spygate. Bill came out and admitted to it, essentially admitted to it, um, saying he didn't, I guess he didn't know he was breaking the rules, whatever. But, um, you know, just a, just an, an, another bad look. It's a bad time in, in New England right now. You know, the two straight losses, 
then you get accused of this. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be fine, and they'll come in the postseason and, and try and make a run against the three teams that have beat them this year, but I don't know. Just a, just a weird a, a weird thing, because it, it comes out, and everyone's like, well, what? Why are the Patriots filming up in the Bengals game? Why are they... Why are they filming the Bengals? They're one in twelve. They're dog shit. I don't know. It just doesn't just doesn't make sense. A lot of it is is just really confusing to me. And so, um, do I think that Bill Belichick knew what was happening? Yeah, I think I, I do. Um, do I understand why? No, but I definitely think he he at least had an idea of what they were attempting to do, um, and they knew that he was up there filming it. Um, but hey. I'm not sure where the punishment comes from. I don't know what Roger Goodell chooses to do. I'm sure it won't be something, you know, outrageous. It'll probably just be a fine for the team. But, um, you know, just a just the, the one chink in Bill Belichick's armor is just these constant allegations surrounding him. And um, I respect the hell out of him as a coach. And, you know, two of the three you can say... Okay, maybe he didn't have knowledge about it, but I don't know. Just a weird situation. I'm not sure really where to finish this off and to say how I feel, but I guess we'll find out more information as it comes along. That's enough Patriots talk um, for one day for me. Well, and actually, I guess we'll talk about the Patriots a little bit in this final segment. We're just going to do two quick hits on some head coaching news that I've I've been hearing, I guess, in the last couple days. Um, first one being all, all the publicity that Mike McCarthy has been getting. Um, as he hopes to return to the uh, NFL ranks this upcoming season. He took the year off after being fired uh, by the Green Bay Packers. Um, the one thing I will say, if you are going to be a, if you're a team that is going to give Mike McCarthy a shot at being its next head coach, I think you need to extensively meet with him about what he supposedly has learned this off se- this this season that he's been off. Um, he has come out in, in both in all of his interviews saying that he has taken a look at all of his shortcomings in his in his career and and where he's been uh, lacking I guess strong suits um, in his coaching mentality and his game plans how he approaches um, you know building a roster um, and he's been spending all this time in the offseason he's got a staff of people that get together collectively and they try and figure out what has gone wrong um, if I'm a head coach I need to hear everything about what has gone wrong and what his plan is to change it um, because you know I, to me Mike McCarthy he had he led a really good defense for a couple of years he had Aaron Rodgers and that was kind of how he got through his wins he he had a couple good years on defense not a lot only had a couple of top 10 defenses never had a top 10 running game and he had Aaron Rodgers to bail him out all the time. So, whoever hires him next, you are not you're not going to have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. So, I, I'm I'm cautious about hiring Mike McCarthy as the next head coach for for a number of reasons. One, hasn't had a top ten defense in a while. Two, I think only once had a top ten running game. And uh, three, he had to, he had to rely on Aaron Rodgers for a lot of his offense. He didn't um, he wasn't progressive on offense. He was very conservative and wanted his offensive coordinators to be very conservative. And uh, I think that really stunted his uh, ability to sustain um, his head coaching career in Green Bay. So, little little skeptical 
over Mike McCarthy. I will say that the one thing that I think that he does carry is that is the experience, is the leadership. You know, I think about Cleveland and I think about Freddie Kitchens and how he's way o- he's in way over his head and how the Browns are just dysfunctional and and it starts at the top with Freddie Kitchens. I think Mike McCarthy being a guy that has been around for a while can manage personalities. He might be a good fit up in Cleveland, but I still don't think that he would be the right fit for this team offensively. Um, and then also, he hasn't had a great defense. He didn't have a great defense for a while in Green Bay as well, too. So, um, not really sure. For for teams that are thinking about hiring Mike McCarthy uh, this offseason, I need, I need detailed reports over what he supposedly learned. Because it's great to say all of that. But if you don't have anything to back up with it, and then you come in 2020, and you're the same NFL head coach... Uh, you, you're going to, the GM that hired you is, is going to look pretty dumb. So that's one coaching thing. The other thing I wanted to take a look at was a report that came out Wednesday morning. And that's that the Atlanta Falcons are prepared to, uh, to make Josh McDaniels offensive coordinator for the new England Patriots. Uh, their, their top prize or their main priority for head coach next season, obviously going to be moving on from Dan Quinn and like I said uh, in an episode earlier this week, they're going to go opposite. They're, they, they've had their defensive guy. They're going to switch things up. They're going to go offense. They're going to go analytics. They're going to go sharp. They're going to go quick. Uh, they're going to match their greatest strength uh, player-wise and roster-wise to its head coach. You know, they, they definitely do have good defensive players. But you think about the strength of the, the, the Falcons, and it's their offense with Matt Ryan, Devonta Freeman, Julio Jones, um... Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, it's that offense. So matching it with a strong offensive mind like Josh McDaniel seems to be the way that they're they're trying to go. And look, the the Falcons haven't been the same since they lost a guy like Kyle Shanahan, uh, which took them, elevated them to a Super Bowl, and of course Shanahan made his way to San Francisco and could very well be on a on a on the way to another Super Bowl trip um, if things go right for the 49ers, but um for the Falcons, I think that this would be a really good get. And and I know that that Josh McDaniels was supposed to be the head coach of the Colts, and then Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick convinced him to uh to stay because they, of their they were mad and upset with the Colts over Deflategate and and all these reasons and the rivalry between the Patriots and the Colts, and they were able to um incentivize Josh McDaniels to stay, but God, it just, to me, it just doesn't seem like Bill Belichick is ready to retire yet. And how much longer is Josh McDaniels going to be willing uh, to just to just sit back there with an offense that is starting to underperform? It doesn't have a lot of talent, so um, you know it's not looking great for his resume. The the numbers that they're putting out. Why not make the jump now? Head to Atlanta. Get Matt Ryan. You've still got three or four good Matt Ryan years left. You've got Julio Jones got way better offensive personnel there uh the offensive line isn't great but they've they've drafted on the offensive line the last few years um I don't know it just seems like that would be a good fit to me um now it it all really depends on how long Bill Belichick plans on coaching and I don't think he can give that answer to anybody look I'm a, I'm a Syracuse basketball fan I thought Jim Beheim was going to retire five six years ago he's still trugging along you know, he's he's old, 
he's an old guy, and he it, it seems like there were rumors about him retiring two or three different times, and, and he's still coaching in 2020. And for Bill, it's the same thing, you know. People always wonder when he's gonna when he's gonna give it up. I mean, God, he's he's the greatest NFL head coach of all time. He he's doing just fine. He can keep going. You know, he's not like a player that's got a shelf life. You know, if he's turning seventy, he can he can go as long as he wants. We've seen coaches go, you know, very late into their lives. And so, the Falcons, I think it'd be a good fit for Josh McDaniels. Now, I think also, more importantly, Josh would be inheriting a much better situation than when he first left to go to the uh, to go to the um, Denver Broncos. I think it's a, a better offense in place. You've got your franchise quarterback, got good skill players, um, good good skill, good uh, good playmakers on defense too. You know, ones that haven't necessarily lived up to the hype in twenty nineteen. Um, you got a guy like Keanu Neal also, who's been out, you know, with injury the last two seasons. Hopefully he comes back. That's a young star there too. I don't know. Just seems like a good fit to me. I, I, I would be all for Josh McDaniels heading to the Atlanta Falcons as their next head coach. It all just comes down to how much longer he thinks Bill Belichick is going to continue to go. Cause Bill's not going to give him an honest answer. I don't think Bill even knows. But if Josh thinks that it's going to be too long where, where he's wasting away some prime years of his coaching career, I think that would be enough for him to make the switch, and uh, and to me, Atlanta would present itself as as probably the best situation. You think about gigs that are going to be available. The Panthers, they don't really have their quarterback in there because they're thinking about moving on from Cam, and and I just don't think you know. Yeah, you've got McCaffrey, but it seems like they're further away from making a a push toward the playoffs than the Falcons. Um, I'm trying to think what other jobs will be available. Cleveland, too high risk, I think, to 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 make the jump over there. Um, you know, Freddie Kitchens, of course, didn't handle it well. You got a lot of egos there. I think he would want something more structured. I think the Falcons can provide that. Um, other teams that might might be looking for a new head coach, I, I really can't think of a ton. Uh, maybe the Jags would pull the trigger and, and move on from Doug Marone after they, you know, they have just fallen since 2017. But I don't think he would go to Jacksonville over going to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I think that I think that the Falcons just make the most sense at this point. And so uh, I saw the report. I think it was Benjamin Albright put that out yesterday. Um, and so we got to see that. Uh, and and I just I think that'd be a good fit. I like it. So yeah, that that was a, a clunky episode. I didn't really have too great of a structure. We just bounced around some different ideas. But um, that'll wrap things up for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace for all my online content uh, and for funny tweets about Bush beer and uh, me not knowing how to be an adult yet. So head over for that. Um, make sure to like and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Uh, leave me a review. Tell me what you like about the show. Uh, we will continue on tomorrow with betting uh, week 15 of the NFL schedule, and then we'll pick things back up next week. I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much. My name is Blake Pace. You're listening to Quick Hits, and I'll see you tomorrow.